Chapter Fifteen of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. No Quarter by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Fifteen dear little mer turn and turn sister said sabrina as she rode up you've had sport enough with your great eagles suppose we go up to the hill and give my little mer a cast-off dear little mer was a merlin that sat perched on her left wrist and sized to the peregrines as a bantam cock to the biggest of chanticleers with all a true falcon and game as the gamest of them why its mistress proposed changing the scene of their sport was that no larks nor buntings the merlin's special quarry were to be met with by the marsh their habitat was higher up on the ridge where there was a tract bare of trees part pasture part fallow to her sister's very reasonable request, Vaga did not give the readiest assent. The petted young lady looked, and likely felt, some little vexed at her tete-a-tete -tete with Eustace Trevor, having been so abruptly brought to an end. It had promised to make that spot, amid reeds and rushes, though it was, hallowed to her as another on the summit of a certain hill among hazels and hollies had been made to her sister whatever her thoughts she showed reluctance to leave the low ground saying in rejoinder oh certainly sob but won't you wait till the dogs have finished beating the sedge if you wish it of course but you don't expect them to find another heron no but there may be a widgeon or wild duck after such an easy victory i'm sure my purrs would like to have another flight see how they chafe in their hoods and pull upon the jessets ah my beauties you want to hear the hoo ha 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 again that do you oh let them then said the more compliant sabrina if the dogs put up anything worth flying them at which i doubt they're doing we've made too much noise for that the conjecture of the sage sister proved correct for the marsh quartered to its remotest corners yielded neither widgeons nor wild ducks only moor-hens and water-rails quarry too contemptible to fly the great falcons at now said sabrina i suppose you'll consent to the climbing her motto might have been excelsior she seemed always urging an uphill movement but there was no longer any objection made to it and the canines being called out of the sedge all entered the forest riders and followers afoot 
and commence winding by a footpath up the steep acclivity of Rordien's ridge. When upon its crest, which they soon after reached, the grand panorama already spoken of lay spread before their eyes, for they were on the same spot from which the young ladies had viewed it that day when Hector harassed the donkey. Neither of them bestowed a look upon it now, nor did Sabrina even glance at that road winding down from the wilderness, off which on the former occasion she had been unable to take her eyes. Its interest for her no longer had existence. He who had invested it with such being by her side. Now she but thought of showing off the capabilities of dear little Myrrh, as in fondness she was accustomed to call the diminutive specimen of the falcon de Ere long, Mare made exhibition of her high strain and training, for the little falcon was also a female, sufficient to prove herself neither tercel nor haggard. First she raked down a lark, then a corn-bunting, and at the third cast off overlook and bound on to a turtle-dove, big as herself. For all, she speedily brought it to the earth, there instantly killing it. Just as she had brought this quarry to ground, a cry was heard, which caused interruption of the sport. Soldiers! It was the falconer who so exclaimed, for now that they were Merlin flying, his services were scarce required and one of his aides did the whistling and whooping. Left at leisure to look around, his eyes had strayed up the road beyond Dry Brook, there to see what had called forth his cry. Instantly, all other eyes went the same way, more than one voice muttering in confirmation, Yes, they're soldiers. This was evident from their uniformity of dress, all alike or nearly, as also by the glancing of arms and accoutrements. Moreover, they were in military formation, riding in file by twos, for they were on horseback. At sight of them all thoughts of sport were at an end, and the hawking, was instantly discontinued. Mirror, lured back to her mistress's wrist, was once more hooded, and the leash run through the varvels of her jesses, while the falconer and his helps, with the other attendants, gathered into a group preparatory to leave the field. Meanwhile, by no accident, but evidently from previous understanding, Sir Richard Walwyn and Eustace Trevor had drawn their horses together at some distance from the spot occupied by the ladies, the knight saying, It's Wintour's troop from Lydney, I take it. What do you think, Master Trevor? The same as yourself. Nay, 
more. I'm sure of it now. That's my cousin Raj at their head on the gray mare with the red feathers in his hat. You remember them? I do. You're right to see. Somebody beside him, though, who appears to be in command. Don't you see him turn in his saddle as though calling back orders? Yes, yes, was the repetitive rejoinder. Eustace, despite his late children at court, still retaining some of the idiomatic forms of Welsh colloquy. But who are those in the rear? he added interrogatively. His question had reference to a number of men afoot, neither in uniform nor formation, who were seen coming behind the horse troop, pressing close upon its heels. Women among them, too, as could be told by their brighter hues and looser draping of their dresses. People from Micheldine, answered Sir Richard, following the troop out of curiosity, no doubt. The knight knew better, knew that but for himself and some action he had t lately taken, the people spoken of, or at least the majority of them, would not have been there. For since his arrival at Hollymead, he had made many excursions unaccompanied, save by his henchman, Hubert, to Mitcheldine, Colford, and other forest centers, where he had held converse with many people, spoken words of freedom, which had found ready and assenting response. Therefore, as he now gazed at that crowd of civilians coming on after the soldiers, though his glance was one of inquiry, it was not as to who they were who composed it but to make estimate of their numbers at the same time comparing it with the strength of the troop there was no time left him to arrive at any exactitude the horsemen were on the way to hollymead for sure and he must needs be there before long before them so the hawking party made no longer stay at Rordian Hill, but a start and return homeward, so rapid as to seem retreat, the understrappers and other attendants wondering why it was so, all save Hubert. End of chapter 15